Can you guess what company sells over 60,000 different products? A company that made the soles of Neil Armstrong's boots that he used to walk on the moon? A company whose products you see every day on your drive to work? What's up everybody, Jen, ex-dividend investor here. Today in my 17th stock reveal video, I'll be doing a deep analysis of 3M, my ninth largest dividend stock by portfolio value of the 25 I own. That means that after this, I only have eight stocks to go. Also, if you are somebody who likes this video or 3M, then please tickle that like button as a thank you to me for making this extensive deep analysis video. Please feel free to check out the timestamps in my description below if you want to jump straight to my portfolio, as well as see screenshots of the Southern Company, Exxon, and Chevron dividend checks I received after I released my Coke video last week. Finally, I want to stress that whilst 3M and all these stocks I'm reviewing are currently in my portfolio, that doesn't mean you should own it or that this is a recommendation for you to buy it. It isn't. I don't know your financial situation or goals or etc. You need to completely analyze all your own companies and investments and then determine what makes sense for you, as well as determine what price you'd want to go in at, if at all. Obviously there will be some bias to what I say because I own these stocks. Always remember that. Also remember that you win by not losing. Like Charlie Munger said, be consistently not stupid. Fortunately, I've only been sporadically stupid. Okay, now it's time for another deep analysis. 3M, ticker MMM, also known as the Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company, is a 117-year-old, $33 billion revenue, $98 billion market cap American diversified technology company focused on worker safety, healthcare, industrials, electronics, and consumer goods. They are one of the prestigious dividend kings, having raised their dividend consecutively for 60 years. That's amazing. In the U.S., 3M operates 80 manufacturing facilities across 29 states. Outside the U.S., they have 125 facilities in 37 countries. They make over 60,000 products under several world-renowned brands. 3M manages its operations in five business segments. Number one is industrial. The industrial segment serves a broad range of markets, such as automotive, electronics, appliances, paper and printing, packaging, food and beverage, and construction. Number two is safety and graphics. The safety and graphics segment includes products such as eye protection and reflective sign coverings, amongst others. So when you see reflective signs on the side of the road, think 3M. Number three is healthcare. The healthcare segment serves markets that include medical clinics and hospitals, pharmaceuticals, dental practitioners, health computer systems, and food manufacturing and testing. Products include medical tape dressings, stethoscopes, infection prevention products, oral care solutions, health information systems, and others. Number four is electronics and energy. The electronics and energy segment serves customers in electronics and energy markets and has products for computer monitors, televisions, cell phones, tablets, power cables, and a bunch of others. And finally, number five is consumer, and this segment has famous products such as scotch tape, post-it notes, and green scouring pads, amongst others. Okay, let's review who the significant institutional holders of 3M stock are. The top institutional shareholder of 3M is Vanguard, holding about 50 million shares, valued at over $8 billion, followed by State Street and then BlackRock. The largest insider I found was Inge Thulin, their former CEO, who has around 268,000 shares. That means his shares drip around $1.5 million every year. Okay, let's see how they and some of their key industry leaders are ranked by market cap and number of years of consecutive dividend increases. 
So here we see Honeywell at number one at 125 billion market cap with eight consecutive years of dividend increases. 3M's at number two at 98 billion and 60 years, and Illinois Toolworks is number three at 56 billion and 55 years. Since I already covered ITW in my Legged and Plot video, I'm gonna go with Honeywell, their number one largest competitor I found in terms of market cap in the industrial products industry. Honeywell International, ticker HON, is a 113-year-old, 42 billion revenue, 125 billion market cap conglomerate with 110,000 employees and produces commercial and consumer products, engineering services, and aerospace systems. 3M is in the industrial sector, and I would classify them as in the industrial conglomerates industry, though there are various industries one could say that they play in. Research and product development is an important part of 3M and has been a major driver of 3M's sales and profit growth. R&D has cost them around $1.8 billion a year for the last few years. The company's products are sold around the world under various trademarks. The company also owns or holds licenses to use numerous U.S. and foreign patents. Their R&D activities are the catalyst for ongoing product innovations covered by new patents. 3M's products are sold both B2B and B2C. Let's look at where 3M and Honeywell are on the Fortune 500. 3M is ranked at 95 and Honeywell is ranked at 77, so both are considered massive U.S. companies. Okay, let's jump into a history of 3M. Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company's history starts in 1902 in Two Harbors, Minnesota with a lawyer, a doctor, two railroad execs, and a butcher. Sounds like the beginning of a joke. They were trying to mine a rare mineral called corundrum, which could be used to make sandpaper and grinding wheels. But they couldn't find any, so they decided to move the company to other parts of Minnesota. In St. Paul, they sold the majority interest in their company to an investor and his business partner. They built a new sandpaper factory in 1910, and in 1916 they paid out their first dividend. In the early 1920s, 3M invented the world's first waterproof sandpaper. In 1925, a 3M lab assistant was testing abrasive samples at an auto body shop and noticed that the painters were having trouble masking car parts. He had the idea that led to scotch tape. So while they had a variety of products, the one which really took off for them was that transparent scotch tape, which provided a major windfall during the Great Depression, helping 3M grow at a time when most businesses struggled to survive. At that time, 3M drove almost 50% of their profits into new product research. Thus, they were able to triple their size during the worst business decade America has ever experienced. They continued to grow during World War II by concentrating on niche consumer markets rather than shifting to make military goods, as many U.S. corporations did. In 1947, they IPO'd. They continued to focus on innovation, and during the 1950s, they created the first dry printing photocopy process, as well as Scotchgard fabric protector, and invented the now famous green scouring pads. In the 1980s, they invented another powerhouse product, Post-it Notes. Their product innovations continued, and in the 90s they invented computer monitor privacy filters, amongst others. Okay, let's look at some of their business strategies. 3M has four strategic priorities to drive growth and performance, and they are number one, portfolio. This pertains to them acquiring and selling off businesses to enable optimal growth. They have divested a number of businesses from 40 down to 23. As an example, Earlier this year, they announced that they completed their acquisition of Acelity, which is part of their healthcare medical solutions business segment. Another example was when they announced the acquisition of M-Modal's technology business, which is a leading provider of healthcare solutions powered by artificial intelligence and which was finalized in February of 2019. 
Healthcare is clearly an area that 3M is positioning themselves to do well in. They're also selling off businesses. For example, in August, they announced that they're selling off their advanced ballistic protection business. Their number two strategic priority is to enable growth in what they call transformation, which is about improving how they serve their customers, how they work, and how they compete. The backbone of transformation is a new ERP system they're rolling out. So this is an agility play. Their third strategic priority is innovation. Obviously, innovation and patents are key to their history and future growth. Each year, about 3,000 diverse patents are issued to 3M worldwide, more than 500 of which are granted in the US. In fact, in 2014, they hit a milestone of having 100,000 patents. That's incredible. I think this puts them in the top 10 companies in the world with most patents, with IBM being number one. Leave a comment down below if you knew that IBM was number one. In 2018, they invested $3.4 billion in the combination of R&D and CapEx with accelerated investments in priority growth platforms focused around healthcare, transportation, safety, and infrastructure. Technology is advancing rapidly in these market spaces, and 3M is aiming to continue to capitalize on the resulting opportunities. Their number four strategic priority is people and culture, which is about 3M deepening their commitment to diversity, inclusion, and sustainability. They were named one of the world's most ethical companies for the fifth straight year and was included on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index for the 19th consecutive year. In fact, in 2017, 3M won the prestigious Catalyst Award for its commitment to diversity and inclusion. Their new CEO recently shared updated five-year financial goals covering 2019 to 2023, including 8 to 11% growth in earnings per share, 3 to 5% organic sales growth, 20% return on invested capital, and 100% free cash flow conversion. Okay, let's jump into the financials. There are four key financial areas I like to understand when I'm analyzing a business. And they are number one, is the company growing? Number two, can the company cover what it owes in the next year? Number three, do they have too much debt? And number four, how's their profitability? Let's start with number one. There are six main things I like to review when answering the question, is a company growing? And they are number one, is revenue growing? Number two, are earnings growing? Number three is equity growing. Number four is cash flow growing. Number five is the dividend growing. And number six is the stock price growing. Let's start with number one of six, is revenue growing? Let's first understand their net sales by business segment. Industrials represents about 37% of sales and was up 3.4% from 2017 to 2018. Safety and graphics represent about 18% of sales, up 9.5%. Healthcare is 18.4% and increased about 3%. Electronics and energy is 16.7% of revenue and went sideways in terms of revenue, but increased significantly in terms of operating income. Consumer is about 15% and slightly increased year over year. 3M revenue for the 12 months ending September 30th, 2019 was about 32 billion, a 2.6% decline year over year. Their 2020 estimate is around 34 billion. Honeywell's revenue for the 12 months ending September 30th, 2019 was about $37 billion, a 14% decline year over year. Their 2020 estimate is at $38 billion. There are a variety of reasons why I think 3M is seeing a slight decline recently. Less innovation is seemingly happening now than historically. The Chinese economy is weaker, so that impacts them. And then the trade war is the proverbial cherry on top. Sales have been contracting in Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and Asia Pacific. But 3M is doing things like acquiring companies and investing heavily in R&D to combat all this. 70% of their revenue is designed in or specified at end users or in regulated marketplaces, 
The good news is that they're in so many product areas that they have managed to remain a dividend king through multiple recessions and even wars. Let's see how their net income is trending. So on to number two of six, our earnings growing. So just glancing at it visually, we see that earnings for 3M are trending nicely overall. Honeywell is trending okay, other than that trough in 2018. 3M's net income for the 12 months ending September 30th, 2019 was 4.98 billion, a 9.4% increase year over year. Honeywell's net income for the 12 months ending September 30th, 2019 was 6.3 billion, a 149% increase year over year. Okay, on to number three of six, is equity growing? Here we see that 3M's shareholder equity is 10.7 billion and Honeywell's shareholder equity is 18.3 billion. I like Honeywell's gradually increasing shareholder equity as opposed to 3M's which was trending nicely until 2014. Okay, let's move on to number four of six, is cash flow growing? To answer the question, is a company growing? Please watch my Southern Company video if you want to learn more about cash flow. So I pulled this data from Morningstar. We see that 3M's free cash flow trend line doesn't look great, but the trailing 12 months are back in the right direction. I have confidence that the new CEO will continue pushing 3M in a more positive direction like this. Honeywell's looks similarly underwhelming, though in this case their trailing 12 months has decreased unlike 3M's. Okay, now let's move on to number five of six, is the dividend growing? Speaking of dividends, did you realize that over 90% of Warren Buffett's portfolio are dividend stocks? His top four positions represent almost half of his portfolio, with a dividend yield of around 2.5%. Okay, let's look at 3M and Honeywell. Here we see that 3M has an amazing dividend growth history of 60 consecutive years of dividend increases, which is way more than Honeywell, which is only at eight years. 3M has a 9.9% three-year dividend cadger versus Honeywell, which is at 12.5%, both of which are awesome, with Honeywell looking better. The five-year dividend cadger for 3M is 14.8% compared to Honeywell at 13%, so a nod to 3M. The 10-year dividend cadger for 3M is an insane 11.7%, which is better than Honeywell, which is also awesome at 11%. 3M has a great dividend yield right now at 3.36% versus Honeywell, which is not so hot, at 1.87%. So that yield is part of the reason why a lot of investors are looking strongly at 3M right now. The 10-year estimated yield on cost for 3M is at 9.5%, which is nice, versus Honeywell, which is at 6.2%. The 20-year estimated yield on cost for 3M is an excellent 31%, versus Honeywell's at 15%. Jumping to the 40-year estimated yield on cost for 3M, we see a silly 281%, versus Honeywell at 122%. So, not realistic we would see those, but it is fun to see what estimates would be if it did hold their trends. 3M's payout ratio is a fine 64%, as is Honeywell's, which is a nicer 44%. And as always, don't use any of these numbers to make investing decisions, and double check all info presented. Now let's see how their shares outstanding are trending over time. Here we see that 3M has gone from about 78 billion to 58 billion, which is minus 26% in 13 years, which is nice. Honeywell has gone from 0.85 billion to 0.73 billion, which is minus 14% in 13 years. These share buybacks are happening, like all share buybacks, because their board of directors approved them to happen. In 2016, 3M's board authorized the repurchase of up to $10 billion of 3M's outstanding common stock with no pre-established end date. In 2018, the board of directors replaced the company's 2016 repurchase program with a new repurchase program. This new program authorizes the repurchase of up to $10 billion of 3M's outstanding common stock with no pre-established end date. 
So they clearly have a strategy to keep driving down the shares outstanding, which I like seeing. It's fun to imagine where things will be in a few decades. Now this info from their 10K is useful as it tells you what prices they're buying their shares at, which ranges from 192 to 245. Today 3M's at around $168, which is kind of why we've been hearing more about it on YouTube. Now let's look at their total returns. So number six of six is the stock price growing. Let's compare 3M to Honeywell and to the S&P 500 using Dividend Channel's total returns drip calculator. This models what would have happened if you invested 10K around 24 years ago into 3M, Honeywell, and the S&P 500, which was the longest duration of data their calculator had. We see that your 10K would have appreciated the most with Honeywell, a total of 1,240%, leaving you at an incredible 134K. Next would be 3M, a total of 1,047%, leaving you at 115K. Finally would be SPY, where your 10K would have appreciated 748%, taking you to 85K. Okay, let's jump to number two, can the company cover what it owes in the next year? Which is asking if it can cover its short-term debt obligations. I like to use the current ratio to determine that. It is important to compare ratios and most metrics in the same industry. A ratio higher than one indicates that a company will have a high chance of being able to pay off its shorter term debt, whereas a ratio of less than one indicates that a company may not be able to pay off its shorter term debt. So the higher the ratio, the more liquid the company. I like to see ratios between 1.5 and 3%. So we see that 3M's current ratio is 2.3, its industry median is 1.85, and it's ranked higher than 65% of the industrial products industry. Honeywell's current ratio is 1.32 compared to an industry median 1.85 and is ranked lower than 75% of the industry. So I like what I see with 3M here. The number three next main item I like to look at when analyzing a business is if it is taken on too much debt using the debt to equity ratio. Now one reason why you want to look at debt is because it is one of the few certainties in investing. You basically always have to pay back debt. We see that 3M's debt to equity is 1.68 compared to the industry median 0.33 and is ranked lower than 94% of their industry. Honeywell's debt to equity is 0.61 compared to the same industry median 0.33 and is ranking lower than 85% of their industry. If the ratio is greater than one, the majority of assets are financed through debt. If it is smaller than one, assets are primarily financed through equity. I like to see between one to 1.5. A high debt-to-equity ratio is often associated with more risk as it can mean a business is pushing for fast growth with debt. That being said, the appropriate debt-to-equity ratio varies depending on the industry because some industries use more debt financing than others. Capital-intensive industries often have higher ratios. I always like to compare things to the industry to get a better baseline of what makes sense, and we see that relative to their industry they are both high. 3M is following a similar path of increasing their debt each year, which I don't like to see but it is all too common these days. Well then let's see if we think they can cover their interest payments. So let's see if EBIT is at a reasonable level. We see that 3M's EBIT for the 12 months ending September 30th, 2019 was 6.6 .6 billion, an 8% decline year over year. Honeywell's EBIT for the 12 months ending September 30th, 2019 was 6.7 billion, a 1.9% decline year over year. I normally like to see EBIT greater than or equal to three times net interest, and checking their income statements, I find that both of them cover. Okay, the number four item I like to look at when analyzing a business is to understand their profitability. Let's look at return on equity or their earnings power. 
Normally I expect to see 10 to 15% to cover their cost of capital and make money for shareholders, but the more the better. ROE tells us how much profit a company makes for every dollar it has in shareholder equity. Buffett is a fan of looking at ROE to see whether a company has consistently performed well compared to other companies in the same industry. He once talked about the importance of ROE and mentioned a fortune study that looked at 1,000 of the largest stocks in the U.S. In that study, only 6 of the 1,000 companies averaged over 30% ROE from 1977 to 1986. Only 25 of the 1,000 companies averaged over 20% ROE and no single year lower than 15% ROE. And those 25 incredible businesses also did amazingly well in the stock market as 24 out of 25 outperformed the S&P 500 during that period. So that's awesome and some of the reasons why I like to look at ROE. So ROE is the income that's being generated as a percentage of shareholders' equity, also known as book value. We see that 3M has an incredible ROE of 48.9% versus the industry median 6.9%, ranking it incredibly higher than 98% of their industry. Honeywell's ROE at 34.2% versus the industry median 6.9% ranks them higher than 94% of their industry. So these two are amongst the best of the best in their industry, with 3M really shining. Okay, let's look at another measure of profitability, return on assets. ROA will tell us how efficiently a company is extracting profit from their assets. Return on assets is a measure of how well a company takes all the money it has and uses that to make more money. It's a metric which is used to calculate management's effectiveness to understand how much profit a company earns for every dollar of its assets. The higher the ROA, the higher the asset efficiency. ROAs over 5% are generally what I look for. Here we see that 3M's ROA is 12.6% versus the industry median 3.5%, which puts them ranked 92% higher than their industry. Awesome. Honeywell's ROA is 10.8% versus industry median 3.5%, which is higher than 89% of their industry. Also excellent. The next profitability metric I'll look at is net margin. Net profit margins vary depending on the type of industry you're in. Watch my previous videos for more details. So here we see that 3M's net margin is 15.5% versus the industry median 4.3%, which ranks them higher than 95% of the industry. That's awesome. Honeywell's net margin is 17.1% versus the industry median 4.3%, which ranks them higher than 93% of the industry. Incredible. I also noticed that the net margin graph on macro trends seemed to be wrong, as it was saying that Honeywell's most recent ROA was 5.5%, but when you take their net income and divide by their revenue, you get what GuruFocus had for them. So Honeywell's graph above is probably off, but the numbers I listed should be accurate. Okay, let's look at one final profitability measure, which is earnings per share, or EPS. EPS is a company's profit divided by the number of common shares outstanding. EPS shows how much money a company makes for each share of its stock. A higher EPS often means that people will pay more for a company due to their higher profits. You also might want to calculate diluted EPS rather than basic EPS. Here we see a nice increasing trend for both of them, with 3M's looking nicer as it didn't have a big trough in 2018. 3M's EPS for the 12 months ending September 30th, 2019 was $8.40, a 12.3% increase year over year. Honeywell's EPS for the 12 months ending September 30th, 2019 was $8.55, a 149% increase year over year. Okay, let's move from their financials to community involvement, charitable giving, and to their environmental, social, and governance work. 3M has been included on Ethisphere's list of the world's most ethical companies for six straight years. 
Their CEO is a longtime supporter of Big Brothers Big Sisters of America, which pairs children with adult mentors. He used to be a big brother himself. Now 3M is striving to, number one, design solutions that do more with less material, advancing a global circular economy. Number two, innovate to decarbonize industry, accelerate global climate solutions and improve their environmental footprint. And number three, create a more positive world through science and inspiring people to join them. Beginning in 2019, every 3M product entering the new product commercialization process will include a sustainability value commitment that demonstrates how it drives impact for the greater good. They have a variety of goals for the sustainability program, including to reduce manufacturing waste by an additional 10% index to sales. They also want to achieve zero landfill status at more than 30% of their manufacturing sites. They want to reduce their global water use by an additional 10% index to sales. They want to improve their energy efficiency index the net sales by 30%. They also are looking to increase their renewable energy mix to be 25% of their total electricity use. They also want to ensure that GHG emissions are at least 50% below their 2002 baseline. They are also driving to increase diversity amongst their employee ranks. The progress on the diversity front seems slow, but they are increasing the percentage of females in their workforce, including in executive management and at the board level. 3M has been very supportive of our men and women in our armed services. 3M has provided hundreds of scholarships, provided cash grants to organizations that support military families and veterans, and provided tons of jobs. 3M has also been very charitable in their communities. They have a social investment arm called 3M Gives, which has donated tens of millions to enable education as well as enhancing our communities. They have been recognized and won a slew of awards, including being on Forbes' most reputable companies list, world's best workplaces list, the best places to work for LGBTQ equality, national industries for the blind Robert E. B. Aron Award, and are on the Disability Equality Index's best places to work for disability inclusion. Okay, now let's move on to their executive leadership team. Their exec team has an average tenure of over 22 years, which is incredible. They have a history of promoting from within for their key roles, which I always like to see, because I've had some bad experiences with executive management coming into companies from outside the industry. I also get concerned about the business having too small a moat if they can simply hire somebody from the outside and they become effective quickly. Let's look at 3M CEO Mike Roman. Mike became CEO in July of 2018. He's a 30-year veteran of the company and served previously in a variety of roles, including COO, which I love to see because the COO usually knows a bit of everything about the company. And Mike has lived and led their business units around the world, including the US, Europe, and Asia. He joined as a design engineer, so is yet another example of someone who started fairly low on the business org chart, did well, and worked their way to the top. So use him as inspiration, knowing that wherever you are, if you are so inclined and you work hard and smart, you can rise, rise, rise. Okay, one way we can assess a CEO is on how his stock has done since he's taken office. Here we see 3M in black, Honeywell in purple, and Spy in blue. We see that 3M has underperformed, actually leaving you at a loss. But Honeywell has done the best, slightly better than Spy. I look forward to Mike turning this performance around shortly. Okay, let's jump into concerns and risks. There are a variety of risks that I feel are important to be aware of. One risk they face is of currency headwinds, since a significant portion of their revenue isn't in the US. In their latest 10K, they called out that foreign currency impacts decreased their pre-tax earnings year over year by approximately 42 million. Various impacts to their supply chain could impact them. For example, increased prices or decreased supply of key materials they need could harm them. 
3M is subject to raw materials price inflation. To mitigate this risk, they do a variety of things such as multi-sourcing and are trying to minimize how much materials they consume per product unit. They also have some ongoing pension costs to deal with. Changing energy costs could adversely impact their massive system. Information technology system failures or interruptions or breaches of network security may impact their operations. Changes in tax laws and unanticipated tax liabilities could adversely affect the taxes they pay and or their profitability. Increasing regulatory issues may adversely impact them. There may be remediation costs for certain chemicals that 3M uses or has used. For example, in 1999, the US EPA investigated a chemical called PFOS, which ended with 3M phasing it out of their products. I saw a different article that said that PFAS chemical makers stock went up recently when Congress failed to change any regulations. Companies like Corteva, DuPont, and 3M were called out as beneficiaries of this lack of change. Litigation or legal proceedings could expose them to significant liabilities and damage their reputation. For example, some are concerned with potential pollution litigation risks and 3M. In their 10K, they called out that they had reached agreements in principle on a number of respiratory mask asbestos claims and an oral care product liability matter, the implications of which resulted in an increase in certain legal accruals. Another risk to 3M are the various competitors that are seeking to take their market share. Anyways, those are some of the risks I thought of, but dive into their annual reports and Google if you are so inclined to be more thorough. So big question, is it worth buying at today's price? Now there are various ways we can try to evaluate at what price we should pay for 3M. Like we could do a bottom-up approach where you add up all the assets, also known as a net asset approach. An asset-based approach identifies a company's net assets by subtracting liabilities from assets. The asset-based valuation is often adjusted to calculate the net asset value of a company based on the market value of its assets and liabilities. Another way we could do it is look at similar companies in their industry to evaluate it, which is called the multiples-based approach. The multiples approach is a valuation theory based on the idea that similar assets sell at similar prices. It assumes that a ratio comparing value to a firm-specific variable, such as operating margins or cash flow, is the same or similar across similar firms. And we could use the discounted cash flow method, aka DCF. DCF analysis uses future free cash flow projections and discounts them using a required annual rate to arrive at a present value estimate. So which would Warren Buffett use? Well, he once said, intrinsic value is an all-important concept that offers the only logical approach to evaluating the relative attractiveness of investments and businesses. Intrinsic value can be defined simply. It is the discounted value of the cash that can be taken out of a business during its remaining life. Which means it is the value today of all the expected free cash flow of the future of a business. So how do we do that? Well, estimating is part art and part science. There is a variety of estimates we make to figure out DCF. For example, how many years do you think the company will be in business for and how much free cash flow will it be throwing off for each of those years? Let's start easy and say our company will do $100 million a year for five years. So at this point we say the company is worth $500 million intuitively. But $100 million in five years time isn't worth as much as $100 million a year from now because inflation eats away at the value of money over time, so we have to discount it. That's where we need to make another guesstimate, what the interest rate is. Let's use something simple like 10%. There are ways and reasons you might want to refine that percentage, but let's keep it simple for now. So the formula to discount it is the cash flow to the 1 over 1 plus r to the n, where r is the interest rate and n is the number of periods. So in our example, r is 0.1, which is 10%, and n is 5 periods of time in our equation. 
So, 100 divided by 1 plus 0.1 to the first power, plus 100 divided by 1 plus 0.1 to the second power, dot dot dot. So it works out to look something like this. And if you add each of those up, we get 378 million. Notice how each year your 100 is worth less than the previous year. So the net present value of five years of cash flow in today's money at an interest rate of 10% is around 378 million, not 500 million. So that's the value of the company, 378 million, which is if it issued 100 million shares at $3.78 per share. So that also means that the higher the interest rates, the lower the value of those cash flows, and thus the lower the value of the company. Now, companies usually don't stop yielding free cash flow after five years. So we often added in another final value that's called a terminal value, and we also discount that. So we say I think the company will be able to generate a certain amount of money for its remaining life after those first five years, and that amount we discount and add that to our five discounted years as well to get the full amount. Anyways, that is how you could calculate DCF manually, which is a good exercise to go through as you want to establish what you think a fair price is for companies, and then you might choose to further discount that with another margin of safety. Let's just use the DCF calculator on Guru Focus that has its own methods and variables it uses. It also explains how it works, so jump over there and read up on it if you want to. Let's look at how changing the variables in their DCF estimator can change the estimated fair value. So this represents three different DCFs for 3M. Their default assumes a growth rate of what you would expect over X years, and they defaulted 10. So the higher the growth rate, the more the fair value would be. That's logical because if you're assuming higher growth rates for an investment, then you would expect it to be pricier. Now let's look at discount rate, normally between 10 and 20%. The lower you put as the discount rate, the higher the fair value, which is also logical because if you expect less return of an investment, then it could be pricier. Or if you discount it less, then it will cost more. So the top DCF shows what the calculator has for default values for 3M at a growth rate of 6.6% and a discount rate of 12%, and it comes up with a fair value of $99.76. The middle DCF increases the growth rate to 10%, and we see the fair value goes up to $124.20. And then the bottom DCF then decreases the discount rate, and we see the value goes up even higher to $146.86. You can see that this estimator is using the trailing 12 months earnings per share as a key input. Let's see how the default DCF values compare for 3M and Honeywell. We see that 3M's fair value is $99.76 and its share price today is $170 about, which is a negative 71% margin of safety. Honeywell's fair value is $116.83, which is at today's share price of $175, which is about a negative 50% margin of safety. So this estimator is saying that both of them are too pricey. Now let's look at how their PEs have trended over time as another gauge of how pricey they are. Watch my previous videos to learn some nuance about PEs and what I expect to see in different sectors and industries. My generic rule of thumb is that I get more compelled to buy when PEs are under 15. We see that for 3M, the PE is at 20.4 versus an industry median 17.6, and they have a forward PE of 17.2 and they're ranked lower than 56% of the industry. Not too hot. Honeywell's PE is 20.5 versus an industry median 17.6 and a forward PE of 19.8. They're ranked lower than 57% of the industry. So both of them look spendy right now, though 3M's forward PE is starting to look a bit more compelling. Watch my AbbVie video if you want to learn more about the S&P 500 PE ratios.
Okay, another thing that you might want to look at is how their dividend yield has trended over time as an input into your buying decisions. Here are the last 10 years of dividend yield trends for 3M and Honeywell. 3M's dividend yield on the day I made this was 3.4%, which is great. Honeywell's is a low 2.06%, so I really like what I see in 3M. If you want to learn some nuance on how I would read this chart, then watch my Kimberly Clark video. We see that 3M has recently been trending up, becoming more of a value. That's probably another reason why you're hearing more talk of 3M in the community, because this shows us that its relative value has been getting more compelling lately. Honeywell has been just trending sideways. Okay, let's look at what analysts at MarketBeat said about 3M and Honeywell. We see that for 3M, the consensus rating is a hold, and six months ago it was a hold. Its share price today is $170, its consensus target is $175, so that's a 3% upside, and the consensus target six months ago was $190. Honeywell's consensus rating is a buy, six months ago was a buy, its share price today is $175, and the consensus target is $190, which is 9% upside. The consensus target for it six months ago was $175. So that means that analysts see short-term upside for both of them, and they are more bullish on Honeywell. Now let's look at recent insider trading. We see a variety of transactions by their officers and directors. Nothing jumps out as disconcerting or material to me. Please watch my Southern Company video if you want to learn more about how to read a Form 4 dealing with insider trading. So what's a good price for 3M? When did I buy it? So as I've mentioned in previous videos, many of my stocks I first bought in the 90s, some I held on to, others were trades. Then something happened which caused me to sell out of my positions for a short period of time and then re-establish them. It's an interesting story for a future video. Now I don't do the classic definition of dollar cost averaging into my investments. Indirectly I do DCA because my drip buys shares constantly, but I tend not to add a little bit into my investments each time my paycheck comes in. Instead I usually save up cash until I feel like there is something I want, and then I lump some invest to get my position to where I want it to be. Sometimes that can be a small amount and sometimes it can be larger. I'll give you an example. I've never won a lottery, but let's say I won a million dollars. Most people would say to split the million dollars into smaller amounts and then go into your investments maybe 100k a month for 10 months, or maybe even slower and recommend 50k a month for 20 months. I wouldn't do that. What I would do is I would invest as much as I wanted to take a position to and then move on, done with that position. So if I wanted to get into five positions, each one to 100k, I would drop the full 100k as soon as the price looked compelling to me per position. Then I'd sit on the rest of my money until I saw something else I wanted. So it's a nuanced take on dollar cost averaging. I don't recommend that for you, as nothing I say is a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold, or do anything, nor should you construe what I say as a strategy you should adopt. I'm just sharing what I do. The reason I lump some invest is because it has been statistically proven to beat out dollar cost average investing, and I'm a probabilities guy. The old adage of timing the market, not timing the market, is the essence of why I like to get my money working faster to me rather than not. But again, that's why you don't want to take this as investment advice. It's merely my opinion. It's what I do. But I don't know your financial situation. I don't know your time frames for needing money. I don't know your portfolio or your goals. I don't know your risk tolerances, etc., etc. And that's just my guideline for how I like to invest. I'm not dogmatic about it, but that's generally how I operate. So my first big lump sum purchase back into 3M was in January 8th of this year at a price of 191 then last month on October 7th, when I felt it was an even better value, I dumped another lump sum in at 154 Of course, my drip keeps buying a little every quarter. I have positions in both my tax-sheltered account and my brokerage account. So at today's price of about 170 I think the price is fair for 3M. It isn't the best deal in the world, 
but in a market where it's hard to buy anything and feel good about it, I feel 3M is at a spot worth considering. Buffett once said, buy stocks like you buy your groceries, not like you buy your perfume. I really like 3M's diverse product portfolio. It gives them a moat that is hard to cross. It's allowed them and should allow them to push through all economic cycles. So what do you think? Are you a bull or a bear on 3M? Are you going to buy, sell, or hold? Let's jump into the portfolio. Okay, let's start with the pie. We see consumer discretionary right here, and that's McDonald's, Starbucks, Home Depot, and Disney. It's about 18.5%. Consumer staples is this one, and that's food beverages. has Coke in it at 11.4%. Industrials, 3M got added in here at 21.8%, and that's 3M, Leg, and Cat. Financials up here at 6% of the portfolio, and that's Goldman Sachs and Travelers. This one is healthcare at 7.8%, which is AbV and Pfizer. Here we've got energy with Chevron and Exxon at 10%. And we have utilities with Southern Company at 8.6%. And then finally over here we have consumer staples household goods with Kimberly Clark and Colgate Palmolive at 15.5%. And then we see I have 525.8 shares of 3M. It is down in the last 365 days. Current PE 19.9, forward PE 17.2, DDM is $424, and that's at a 12% return and a 33% margin of safety. And I can tweak these and then that number will change. And then we see that it pays a dividend of $5.76. Dividend yield 3.44%. The three-year dividend catcher is 9.9%, which is awesome. The five-year dividend catcher is 14.8%, and the 10-year dividend catcher is 11.7%. That makes the portfolio's average weighted five-year dividend catcher at 8.57%. We see that the average weighted starting yield for the portfolio is 3.28%. And then I have $88,000 of 3M, and that drips $3,029 a year. So the portfolio is at $758,606, and so far it's dripping $24,876 a year. Payout ratio is decent at 64%. A lot of years of dividend data. 60 years are consecutive. So the average weighted years of increasing dividends is 38.8. It is an aristocrat. The beta is at 1.09. So the average weighted beta for the portfolio is 0.76. Market cap, 96 billion, so the average weighted market cap for the portfolio is now at 128 billion. And let's jump into the dividends now. Since my Coke video from last week, I've received dividend checks from Southern Company, Exxon, and Chevron. So you can see that Southern Company, I got one dividend check for $269.66, and then another one for $396.18. And then from Chevron, I got one for $208.25. And then Exxon, I got two dividend checks, one for $478.07, and 
and another for $238.60. I always edit out my account numbers as well as any dividends I've received from stocks I've not yet revealed. As I've mentioned in previous videos, about 60% of my portfolio is in tax-sheltered accounts. So I hold Southern and Exxon in both a tax-sheltered account and a taxable account, and Chevron I only hold in a tax-sheltered account. So let's look at Southern. Since I've turned on my drip for Southern, it bought another 10.7 shares of itself, taking me from 1,073.9 shares to 1,084.6 shares. So this quarterly dividend payout just increased my annual passive income by about $26.54 a year. Assuming they don't increase their dividend, then this would mean that just by holding Southern in my accounts, my annual passive income will increase by $106.14 a year. But it should be higher than that since it compounds quarterly and since I believe they'll increase their dividend. For Exxon, I've turned on my drip, so it bought another 10.3 shares of itself, taking me from 823.8 shares to 834.1 shares. So this quarterly dividend payout just increased my annual passive income by $35.84 a year. Assuming they don't increase their dividend, then this would mean that just by holding uh, Exxon in my accounts, my annual passive income will increase by $143.36 a year. But it should be higher since it compounds quarterly and because they'll increase it. And then for Chevron, since it's in my drip, um, it bought another 1.8 shares of itself, taking me from 175 shares to 176.8 shares. So this quarterly dividend payout just increased my annual passive income by about $8.57 a year. So assuming they don't increase their dividend, then that would mean just by holding Chevron on my accounts, my annual passive income will increase by $34.28 a year. So overall, my passive income just got increased by $177.64 a year just for this quarter's payout. Let's see how this looks in the spreadsheet. So this is a monthly view. It's a copy of my uh, December dividend checks where I've blacked out some of the stocks you can't see. And you see here's the Chevron dividend for $208.25. And then this represents the Exxon dividends of $716.67. And then these zeros are ones that are coming in December, but I haven't received yet. I'll do those in future videos. And then this is a copy of my quarterly. So this is a copy of my Q4. And again, I've comment, I've blacked out the stocks you can't see yet. So here is the Exxon amount for $716.67. And then here is the Chevron amount right here. And uh, still coming will be uh, some of these over here. So that means that so far in December, I've received $1,880.66 of dividend checks. Please don't forget to hit the thumbs up button and leave a comment, including your partner number, as a simple way to thank me for making this deep analysis video of 3M. Adding your partner number to your comment helps me be able to then do shoutouts and visual acknowledgements of my subscribers who've watched and commented the most on my videos. With this 3M video, I'm hashtag partner24 because I've watched and commented on all of my videos from start to end. And don't forget to join my Dividend Discord channel and chat with a whole bunch of other dividend investors. The link is in the description below. Thanks, and I'll see you in my next video. Remember, I'm not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. 
I'm only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments. Don't use this information without double checking it and talking to someone a lot smarter than me after you completely understand it. So I'll see you in the next video and remember to stay positive, patient, play for the long term, keep investing in great companies, budget reasonably, and win. I know you can do it. Just like I know you can hit the subscribe, like, and bell icons, share this video with others, and comment below.